This is The Universe, Episode 17. Earth is like a big, nice McMansion on Saturday, September 29th, 2012. And now, even Mars is like a dingy old rundown shack. This episode of The Universe is hosted by Samuel Eberts and me, Ryan Rampersett. Big week. Huge week. You seem to be very close again. Yeah, well, I uh, came back to the studio. Need to adjust my mic. <clears throat> came back to the studio again today, since it's easier to pay attention in the studio. You know, I that's guess. kind of funny in itself. Mm-hmm. It's easier to pay attention in the studio. It is. Makes sense. Does it? Yeah. Oh. Well, because then it, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't either. <clears throat> so, how was your uh, long week? Do you have any uh, accidents, any uh, well, big things happening? Yeah, so I got this new bike because my, uh, my other bike got stolen, and then... Well, that was last week's travesty. Well... I mean tragedy. Yeah. My mistake. And then I uh, got hit by another kid on his bike. That was yesterday's tragedy. Yesterday. So I had to fix that. But for for the record, you weren't hurt in any particular way. No. And my then bike, I had to fix my bike there. My bike and, was hurt. and then you went to go play frisbee, and and now and I like pulled my hamstring or something, and now I'm really sore. Yeah. So now he's just <laughs> been limping around St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Yes. But at least you survived all of that. Right. It's amazing. So do you want to talk about your new job at CERN? Maybe. I don't have a new job at CERN. Sure about that? Yes. Not what I hear. It's all over the I Facebook. Have a- <laughs> I have a job working for somebody who works at CERN. So I'm sort of working for CERN. Okay, well, so that means you work for me and I work for SPPS. So what does that mean? I don't work for you. You'd be surprised. Think what you will. I will. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess I sort of I work the sun for is made CERN. Out of CERN. I don't work at CERN because CERN is in Switzerland, and I'm not in Switzerland. Are you sure you're not? Unless you put your studio in Switzerland, yes. Well, I'll, I'll be relocating in a few years. I want a very neutral um, uh, country. Right. Well, um, um, so what is your new job involved? I hear you um, have to do some type of simulation thing. Yeah, so I'm working on the, uh, I don't even, I guess I don't know what the actual experiment name is, but um, it was uh, some research team at CERN, and they did this experiment, and they collected whatever data, and now they want to uh, simulate the experiment and compare their actual data to theoretical data and see if it matches up. So it's my job to essentially write the simulation. That sounds hard. Using, well, using the Jayant, which is like a C++ toolkit for computer simulations, and then also this CATS, which is like a calorimetric uh, toolkit for simulation, and I can't, I don't know, I can't remember what it stands for. Um, yeah, well, there's no hope of me finding that. So it's G-E-A-N-T. Oh, I don't care. But, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know. Should be interesting. Well, I look forward to seeing what you produce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. What about any uh, any other news? Any news um, for you? Let's see. News for me. Um, I got my new computer case this week. That's always good. I'm confused. I'm very confused. Is that this? I don't know. Well, we're we're hearing voices, and there are no other ghosts in the studio. Oh, um, so uh. I guess let's get started with some news. Turns out, turns out, there's some uh, interesting space alignment going on tonight. Space alignment? Yeah. So uh, the Harvest Moon is having a close whatever alignment, I guess, in with uh, Uranus. The Harvest Moon. Uranus, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, what, I, I the Harvest it. Moon? Yes. Explain mm-hmm. what that is for our listeners. Well, the Harvest Moon is the closest moon to the autumn equinox, which is when people traditionally harvest their crops. You have to understand some people not, might not know what an equinox e- is even. Well, uh, <laughs> an equinox is uh, the counterpart to a solstice. Solstice is the nearest and furthest point to the sun. Right. Equinox is between. Okay. That's reasonable. And so that's what makes Harvest Moon the closest full moon to it? Mm -hmm. Or, okay. Right. So it's full tonight then? Yes, and a full moon. No. We were wondering yesterday. I told you it was. I didn't know. I wasn't wondering. I'm an astrophysicist. (laughs) (laughs) The way you say that. Just kidding. I'm not. But anyways, so there's some guys are doing uh, a live broadcast over on YouTube uh, with a Google Hangout. If you knew how badly I butchered the word astrophysicist, (laughs) you would weep. Um, So they're doing, yeah, a live live feed on the Google Hangout. Who's uh, who's doing the live stream? 
Uh, so it's the SLU space camera. So they're okay. having live telescope feed, which is pretty sweet. There's actually also uh, something else going on t- tonight, maybe, uh, or else tomorrow night. Um, there's a weekly Google Hangout where they have live feeds from multiple telescopes across the West Coast, which is pretty cool. I just found out about that recently. So I will definitely check out the next one and uh, probably mention it in the next show how much I like it and whether it's worth checking out or not. That's a good idea. Um. And I think we have some, uh, well, now that I went to figure out what that noise was, I lost my articles. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> some pretty big news that happened before the show, this, or since the last show, I guess. Which was, I might add, a last week ago? Week. Just yeah. one week ago. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I don't you know. You wouldn't guess, you know, that, but. Yeah, you wouldn't. Uh, moving on. Yeah, you just wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> so what is the big news? So, well, so the first, big news article is uh curiosity wow. discovering some fairly convincing slash uh important evidence for uh mars having water at some point in the past um so the uh, the evidence i guess is some uh gravel like an ancient stream bed which is um visible from the gravel deposits and stuff so what are you pointing at? Uh, my Twitter just exploded. Um, so okay. this water that it found, so is it in this area right now? Well, so it didn't find any water. It well, found I mean, an ancient stream. It bed. found the gravel, which indicates right, of water. Right. So is it in this area right now? Or um, did it just like find some gravel so, that could be like Well, that? so the, the Ryan is uh, talking about the link in the show notes, which will be in the show notes, um, to io9. And they have an image there of the area that, the the rover is in right now okay. and it, it is it yeah it's in that area um hmm, somewhere in the, in the gale crater so yeah so you, we should uh, read this part here from the size of the gravel it carried we can interpret the water is moving about three feet per second with a depth somewhere between ankle and hip deep right so, that's so pretty this interesting is, yeah this is very very interesting it's a major discovery and so soon after the rover landed it's a huge deal uh so hopefully the these types of things will keep coming as Mars uh, gets closer to Glenelg, where it will carry out its first uh, in-depth scientific experimentation. So yeah, so it's going up, it's going up Mount Sharp, where it's expected to study clay and sulfate minerals. Right, and Mount Sharp is still a ways away, but uh, Glenelg is the first sort of target to test out the full array, do a complete test of all of the scientific instrumentation. Um, so that will be very interesting to see the results from that. It's a it's sort of on the way to Mount Sharp. Hmm. Um, That's so good. yeah, Curiosity is very, very promising so far. Hopefully it will continue to be so. Um, <clears throat> and some other... Is just, there just ignore that an part. animal or something? Well, it's it's there's something probably wild outside my window, if you know what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Just close that door a little so, bit harder. There you go. So, uh, you need some better insulation in the studio. <laughs> uh, I don't think closing the door did anything. Anyways, so, uh, some other big news is the, uh, extreme deep field picture, which was released by the folks over at Hubble. So, uh, we've definitely talked before on the show about the deep field and the ultra deep field photo, which are, um, taken in like 95 and 2004, 1995 and 2004 respectively. Um, the first one was a look, sort of the first look, um, I don't really know how to describe it, sort of back, I mean, it's back in time essentially, uh, looking at things. The regular deep field was, I don't know, a couple billion light years away, I think. Um, and then the, the ultra deep field was, uh, I don't know, some, twice as far away or something. And then now this extreme deep field, which took about 10 years um, and has about 2 million seconds of exposure uh, in this comp- in this sort of, I don't know, compiled photo, I guess. Uh, and So one of the things this article says, in case you're not you know, comprehending what this picture is of, uh, the faintest objects you can see in this picture are at the 31st magnitude. The faintest star you can see with your just plain eyes, it are ten time ten billion times brighter than what you see in this picture. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that means they're even more significantly further away than you can even possibly imagine. Right. Well, and so that as far as time wise, these are the galaxies that formed within about half right. a billion years after the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. So this is looking back essentially thirteen billion years. Right. Uh, which is pretty freaking cool, and it's the 
furthest back we've ever seen. Um, so it's it's a huge uh, furthest back we've ever seen uh, in this wavelength. I guess I mean the cosmic microwave background is sort of further back, but um, so it's a very big deal. It's an awesome photo too. Yes, I mean you can see some very and, and it's very funny. large number of galaxies. So you can see galaxies, like you can definitely spiral spiral galaxies and you know other shapes. But you also can see these big bright points of light, almost as if the point of light is shining towards the camera. Right. Yeah. yeah so I'm not. I I wouldn't know what those are. No, uh, but it could be. But it's interesting that that's there. Right. It could be a star or something mm-hmm. in like closer than the galaxies right. uh, or something like that. So but yeah, definitely check that out. It's a very cool picture. It's very. It's a monumental achievement, really. Um, as far as contributing towards our understanding of the early universe. Um, and uh, let's see, some more big news is on the SpaceX front. So for those of you who don't know, SpaceX is the privately owned sort of major player in this space exploration game these days. Uh, they have already sent one test rocket the falcon 9 rocket to dock with the iss sort of as a test run for their um supply mission which actually takes off hopefully on october 7th so that's pretty sweet um i was going to talk about that later but i guess we can i'll mention it now uh the falcon 9 rocket will be taking off and hopefully docking um without a hitch to the iss delivering supplies now that the shuttle program is discontinued uh, discontinued right which we have talked about before, so I won't get into that right now. Um, so that's that's promising. They're doing their, uh, they already did their uh, final uh, systems test just today, actually, or uh, it was yesterday. Um, so that's that's good news, and everything seems ready to go. So hopefully October seventh, all weather permitting and such, we will uh, be able to. I think view live as the Falcon uh-huh. 9 rocket takes off. That's so even better. We'll probably do something around Excellent. that time. I, I love doing things. Um, what day is it again? October 7th. Okay, sounds good. That's uh, not too long from now. No, I think it's next Saturday. Fair, um, fairly certain. Next Saturday would be something like oh, that. Oh, the next Sunday. Yeah. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Well, anyways, and so uh, the, the big news before the successful system test of the Falcon 9 rocket is... Um, this happened earlier in the week, on, I don't know, Tuesday or Monday or something. Um, Whenever the, the 25th was, Tuesday. The Grasshopper, actually, I think this happened on the 21st. Oh, okay. But, yeah, so so Grasshopper um, is SpaceX's attempt at designing a rocket that can take off and land itself vertically. So, essentially, a reusable rocket. So, it can, you know, go deliver a payload into low Earth orbit or whatever and then come back down and land itself and then theoretically and hopefully be able to excuse me have a turnaround time of like a couple hours or something before it can do another payload right right now our the closest we get to reusable is like six months or something mm-hmm. that it takes to recover the rocket stages re-prep them whatever check them for any damages right. and, and the shuttles weren't really that much better either right well that was that was for the shuttles right yeah I think was the closest we got to reusable really, um, was the, the rocket stages for the shuttles. So yeah, this is a, a big deal if they succeed. I mean, obviously it'll take a while. So far their tests were about, well, so this most recent test was, uh, hovering six feet off the ground. So essentially it just like went up and went down and you can see the video. It's pretty, I don't know. It's hard to really tell <laughs> that anything happens in the video. You can just barely see the struts lift off from the ground before the dust cloud covers it. Right. Um, but still, it's a big, it's a, it's a big goal and a promising first step. So. And then in that so, video, they have uh, like a fire hose. Yeah. Ready, ready to go. Right. Which yeah. is yeah. Good. Yeah. Very smart. Um, so yeah, definitely some the, some cool, uh, exciting news there. Um. Yeah, so since NASA's, you know, not doing that shuttle thing anymore, apparently they have a lot of time to think of other um, crazy things that they can do with all the money they don't have. Uh, one of which, I th- there's like three things, I think, on in that vein that we're going to mention today. The first one is uh, a proposal to build a permanent outpost beyond the moon. So this would be at the Earth-Moon Lagrange point number two, which is... Uh, for those of you who don't know, Lagrange points are gravitationally stable uh, points in a, like a multi-body system, essentially, because you can't have them in a single-body system. Uh, and so it's like where the moon and Earth 
gravitational pull balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the second point follows. It, it's essentially if you draw a line between the Earth and the Moon, it's about a third again as far out from the Moon on the other side. So uh, it would be a staging point, I guess, for extra lunar missions and extra terrestrial missions. It's weird to use that word in that context. Um, yeah. But you know what I mean. Right. So interesting proposal, not necessarily, well, definitely not going to happen anytime soon, but uh, hopefully it will happen. That would be very exciting, and it would definitely pave the way for some manned extra lunar missions, things, even lunar missions. I mean, people have said that it would be a launch pad for putting humans back on the moon. Um, seems a little weird considering that it's beyond the moon, but when you right. consider the fact that the Apollo missions orbit the moon anyways before right. they touch down, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, hopefully, well, hopefully this gets to go space, ahead. Well, if you're in space, it's easier to do stuff than if you're already on something solid. Right. Yeah. So hopefully this gets to go ahead. I think they, they took it to the, they're taking it to the White House. Um, the, the sort of caveat with these types of proposals is that they're multi-billion dollar, multi-decade projects and NASA's history with accurate budget proposals is not so great. Yeah. So <clears throat> we'll see, we'll see what Congress says, I guess. Well, as we all know, things never cost less, they always cost more. Right. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, so like I said, in that vein, um, and also in the curiosity vein, I guess, uh, is the next big Mars goal, which NASA claims is, uh, I guess actually this isn't, I thought this was NASA's goal. Uh, this is some other sort of experts in the field recommending that NASA's next Mars goal should be a sample return mission. So the only, I'm fairly certain that this is true, that the only Sample return missions that have been successfully completed are from the moon and from an asteroid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Japanese mission to an asteroid with, which returned a small amount of asteroid dust. Right. Um, and then there's the, all the Apollo missions from which we have like 200 pounds or 800 pounds or something mm-hmm. of lunar rock and dust. Which is like nothing. No, but it's a sufficient amount really for what you can learn with that type of sample return mission. Right, not much. Um, so so I think this uh, particular thing is an interesting thing because when when we had Curiosity touchdown, you know, we had to go through all of the sky, sky hook thing. What is it called again? Sky, sky, sky crane. crane, yes. Yeah. We had to do all this fancy landing stuff. Um, and that's just to leave it there permanently. But then after, like for something like this, you'd probably have to do something similar because it has to go out and roam about to get some stuff. And then it has to come back. So I think this would be uh, an, an just as, if not more, interesting type of mission. Right. And and so the other interesting thing about this type of mission is that sending something to Mars and sending it back is sort of a precursor to manned missions to the right. dead planet. So because they have to come back. Well, maybe. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> oh shit! I didn't put that. Did we talk about that last week? No, I don't think uh, so. Richard Branson's. No, actually, I think we did. Desire talk about... to no, live on talked, Mars. I think we talked about Branson. <laughs> okay. Well, so anyways. If you're not like Branson and you do want to come back, then this is sort of a, a step in And if we didn't talk about it on this show, you should visit us every Thursday in Kaufman Union because that's when we talk about all sorts of stuff yeah. anyway. I will try. I, I've been trying to get some recordings it out of It doesn't work. But it doesn't really work. Because the music is there's, too loud. Yeah, there's loud music and stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, if you know us and you live around the U, yeah. Kaufman Union in the game room, Thursdays, usually around like one to four. Yeah. Uh, Ryan's there the whole time. I leave for a class for a little bit. But, yeah. um, I'm not as interesting. <laughs> Ryan knows more than I do. Whatever. Um, anyways, so yeah, interesting goal. Uh, hopefully, that's the next step they take. Um, we'll see. Now, I don't know. Oh. I don't know what you have planned next year, but can we talk about this? Uh, this four-dimensional clock. Um, you know, I was gonna save that for like a fringe type thing, but uh, we could. We so, could. Ta- we can talk about that. Well, I. I'm I haven't. About the clock. Okay, I haven't. We'll probably mention it on a fringe thing because I haven't done too much sort of research into it yet. Um, before that, though, I do want to talk about an article that apparently is not in the show notes, but uh, is in a similar vein to what we were just talking about, proposed NASA missions. Um, this, well, this isn't a proposed NASA mission, so it's kind of like the last one. Um, but there, there's been some proposals for NASA missions, not NASA proposing their mission, uh, to 
send a probe to a, a rover, I guess, more, um, to Titan. So Titan, for those of you who aren't familiar with the names of all the celestial bodies in our solar system, is a moon around Saturn, which is, which probably has liquid methane lakes. Not positive, fairly certain though. Um, and so these propose, this proposal is sort of is like sending a, a paddle boat to damn snake thing. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so sending a, sending a paddle boat to Titan, uh, as a, a rover, um, as uh, you can tell from curiosity, sending rovers places is a pretty big deal. Um, so, and definitely collects a, a lot of significant data, um, which is hard to do remotely and with orbiting satellites and stuff like that. Right. So some, an interesting idea, uh, since the latest flyby, which was by, actually it was the second latest, I think, uh, which was Cassini. The latest one was, uh, New Horizons, which was the Pluto mission. Anyways, so Cassini, uh, took some pictures revealing these dark areas on Titan's surface, which we, which people then realized were methane lakes. And so as far as non-carbon based or actually maybe even carbon-based, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, so carbon-based life forms living in different sort of environments than we do here on Earth. Methane is a good candidate, and so is, uh, as far as extraterrestrial life, this is a good place to look. And it would also be scientifically beneficial to send a rover there, as it would be to send a rover kind of anywhere besides Earth. Right. Or Earth, too. I'll get to that. There's some... Arts. Yeah, anyways... So cool. Uh, that's the the rest, the end of our sort of NASA mission segment, which we have regularly. They're very interesting. Which we do, yeah, yeah. Um, it's good when we get NASA stuff. About. Yeah, yeah. It's good to good to know that they're kind of still thinking about things, doing things. You know. Yes. <laughs> so uh, what what do you want to talk about that next? The clock. Well, we could talk about the clock unless you want to talk about something else. It's your show. It's our show. It's your show. Sure. Ryan wants to talk about the clock. We'll talk about the clock. So the other day I ran across this article. And then you um, were telling me all about the clock in Kaufman. So that's why I want to talk about the clock. I found it in Kaufman. Same thing. You didn't find so this didn't... clock in Kaufman. You found okay. the story. I found this article in So Kaufman. we walk into the game room and there's just this four-dimensional clock sitting on the edge of this. That would um, be pretty sweet. But... Billiard ball table. <laughs> no. No, so not like that. It, yeah. So what I usually do in Kaufman is read news. Um, and this popped up on my feed and the title definitely caught my eye as i'm sure it will yours if you are reading the show notes uh it says proposed four-dimensional crystal clock will keep perfect time even after the heat death of the universe so uh first i suppose we should just go through the title so four dimensions uh there's space and time whatever the three x y and z and then t Uh, (laughs) yeah. yeah so um for those of you who haven't had like any physics courses that deal with like general relativity and stuff time is the the fourth dimension and things move through space and time. I mean, right. like you're you can move, or you can sit in a chair and you're moving in the time dimension. You're not right. necessarily moving in the space dimension. So depending on your frame of reference, but right. so relative the, to everything and where you are right now in the room, you're not moving to your own frame. Yeah. So um, the crystal clock ter- part comes from the composition of this clock, which is a periodically fluctuating crystal. So it's a, a lattice crystal, the structure and the structure of it uh, fluctuates with an exact periodicity, which means there's a, a unchanging period of time between cycles. Yeah. Um, and so it's essentially a, a clock. Because you measure those unchanging cycles and you know how long it's gone. Right. Right. And uh, so it... and. The heat death of the universe is a really long time. That's why that part's in there. I don't want to explain well, that Well, right so now. what happens with most clocks, right? So like an atomic clock, even though you have your cesium atom uh, jiggling at some certain frequency, it does shift eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Is that how it works? Yeah. So And, and so having an unchanging frequency would let you prevent slippage. Right. So our, our current atomic clocks are based on the, like Ryan said, the oscillations of a cesium atom. And that is... Very, very precise, but it's not perfectly accurate. Because you have to add a leap second every couple of billion years. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so this this is a very interesting solution to that. And the the part that I find most interesting is that their proposal is sort of buildable with our current technology. 
um, which is which is very cool. So hopefully they will continue this and kind of. Uh, sorry, I got distracted by a GIF in the comments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully they will continue. They will actually create a prototype. Yeah, so that guy. I don't know why. That's just fascinating. I don't know. I don't watch that show. Well, I don't either. A big ball of wibbly wobbly. That sounds like Doctor Who. Um, yeah. <laughs> so pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, we'll probably once I like actually get a chance to read it. Now, personally, and learn about I, it. I don't know anything about timekeeping technology, but personally, I'm all for having more accurate clocks. Right. Because what does that help you solve? It helps you solve a lot of things. Oh, tons of things. And yeah. we'll talk about this later. Yeah, because later. It'll take too long to do now. Yeah, right. Um, also, I don't know anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's ever stopped you. <laughs> True. <clears throat> um, oh, uh, one more piece of curiosity. Well, there's more than one more, but <laughs> one more relevant piece of curiosity news is that uh, the, the rover examined its first rock, uh, which consists of blasting with a laser and seeing what happens essentially um so it's a big deal i don't actually know the uh results i assume it was confirmed to be a rock right it was confirmed to be a rock i think that now is this the rock that was named after some guy yeah yeah so one of the engineers that worked on curiosity sojourner and spirit and opportunity i guess um which are all the Big ones that went, Mars. that went to Mars, essentially, right. uh, passed away this year, and so they named the rock after him, which is a fitting tribute, I guess. Yes. Um, so I think that the result sort of oh, of this it was test... named after Jake. The mm, how about if I just say it was named after Jake? Jake Matievic or something? Sure. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think the results were that it had once been hydrated. Oh. Uh, well, that's a good sign. More clues to water. Water once being on Mars. I'm not positive about that. Don't quote me, but I think I heard that. Pretty sure we don't quote ourselves here. Right. So yeah, interesting, interesting news. Curiosity is doing big things. Uh, oh, so uh, another thing which happened during this week uh, was the discovery of a comet on its way towards the sun. So when comets get near the sun, they generally get very spectacular uh, tails. Uh, if any of you are old and have seen Halley's Comet, actually, I think it didn't pass recently. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, so if, you, if you've seen Halley's Comet or Halley Bop or whatever those things are called, um, you've seen spectac- uh, some pretty spectacular comet tails. And this particular comet right now named ISON after the International Scientific Optical Network in Russia where it was uh, discovered uh hopefully it gets a better name but right now it has people are saying it has the potential to be the most spectacular the most spectacular comet in the history of uh, uh, the past whatever 100 years as long as people remember a comet slash are alive to remember a comet um so that would be uh, pretty cool if that happens because we'd get to see it. Um, the it would get nearest to the sun around November, December next year. So okay. keep your Good eyes time. peeled for some news and don't miss it if it happens because you'll feel stupid. Um, I'm glad that's a feeling a person can have mm-hmm. by missing out on a meteor. Well, yeah, I mean, like if you miss uh, Haley's comment when it passed, you'd feel stupid. I wasn't I would aware. Feel stupid. I wasn't there. I don't know. I can't remember. I probably did miss it. Anyways. Um, so I think as far as what, oh, uh, well, yeah. So as far as what happened uh, in the past week, big news wise, that's, that's about it. Is there anything else? No, I don't, I don't have anything else. No. I don't okay. know. Um, as far as things that are going to happen or interesting, uh, news articles, I guess I only have one here, um, which is something that I find very interesting being now a computer science major, uh, is, uh, well, not that it has anything to do with that, but uh, apparently NASA is working on a software upgrade to let Curiosity decide for itself what uh, segment fault features to. Right. I hope they're not using C. Um, actually, I believe they are using C. It's different. Same thing can happen. It's different. Okay. Um, it is different. It's got two pluses after. <sighs> Uh, no. So, yeah, so that right now, uh, Curiosity takes images, whatever, sends them back to Earth. 
engineers here, scientists here, geologists here, whatever, whoever they are, decide um, what is a good target for the mobile laboratory. Um, and so this software upgrade would allow the rover to decide for itself. So it would pretty advanced AI, I would assume, um, to be able to take into account all the different factors and take into account its um, expected lifetime and not like waste time doing things that aren't going to produce. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. My coffee's wearing off. Um, produce like scientifically useful results, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Why don't we go with that? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Not really. I mean, as long as they can keep it running and still issue commands when they, want, they see something that they want to look at, it should be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This sort of goes back to, did we, I think we talked last week about uh, the proposal to build a supercomputer on the moon. So yeah, it's kind of like that. Intermediate communications step. And I mentioned that it would be cool if there was some, like an AI there that right. could sort of handle. Do, do some extra stuff. Right. Handle tasks like this yeah. that don't necessarily need to be sent back right. all the way to Earth. Not that the moon is that much closer to mars than earth is but well from uh, a computer science standpoint now since i i'm a computer science major similar to like how you are um although you have the s in computer science i don't have a hat that does that um well one of the interesting things is we know a lot about the hardware that's in um curiosity we know that it's using um a power pc chip which is funny because nobody uses that anymore we know the chip is like 15 years old we know a lot of stuff about how it works and I'm pretty sure you can you can't get the source code for the stuff because it'd be pointless, but you can you can read a lot about it, and uh, it is fairly interesting to read about how um, all of the different subsystems they have. So when they upload a new um, you know operating system, a new set of code instructions, the old one's still there. It just is in a different part, and the one that it was shipped with, it's always there. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they they do some really cool stuff with um, the software on Curiosity. Cool. Well. Uh... We'll have to talk about that more in depth sometime. Uh, when I actually know sometime. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But that's—I did not know that, so we'll keep that in mind and keep your ears open for next time we bring this up. Um, I think that's about it as far as articles and stuff. But we have a surfeit of media this week. Surfeit. A what? Surplus. Surfeit. Who's who, word? Who, who does that? Me. I like big words. It's not really that big, but. You know, it's a word. That's uh, S U R F E I T. It's yeah. No, S S U R F E I T. Oh, E. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> Ryan's Go- looking this up for those of you who are wondering what I'm doing. <laughs> well, Google should do this. It does. Type define colon and then spell it wrong, and it'll tell you how to spell it right. No, F E I T. Oh, jeez. Okay. You do it. Can we move? Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, some some pretty sweet. Uh, Oh, oh, geez. Oh, geez. Why is this? Okay. <laughs> this link is broken. Fixing this link. Um, so there's a pretty cool video um, that I haven't actually seen all of. So hopefully we can watch it right now. Oh, and, I, think, uh, I think we can get that around. Throw the cool video. Is it this? Is it, which link isn't broken it's the, now? It's the first one. Okay. Uh, yeah, you have to click in it, though. For some reason, it's the one at the end. I don't know. So... This, this is Kepler a, planet one. Yes, this is a video of uh, what it would look like, sort of, if all of the Kepler planet candidates were orbiting a single star. It's a pretty sweet video. I only saw like the first ten seconds before buffering buffalo oh, interfered. Yeah, well, we're gonna let it bu- buffalo buffalo buffer buffalo. Yeah, whatever. Um, we're let so it. it's got a pretty sweet score. I did notice. Oh, geez. Um, and hopefully that will turn out good since I already so talked what, about what it. So what is what is it about a little bit more? Well, so the Kepler, we've talked about the Kepler mission, well, the Kepler project, I guess, uh, before on the show, which is sort of a search for candidate uh, life-harboring planets outside of our solar system. And the candidate planets are all different sizes and orbiting at all different distances from their home stars and home star runner. And if you don't know what that is, you should go look it up because it's funny. Um, but if this is a video, sort of like a what-if and also a cool visualiz- visualization of what it would look like if all of the candidate planets were orbiting around a single star. It gives you an idea of how many planets there are, the distribution of distances, and the distribution of sizes in a very cool way, and along with a very cool soundtrack. Oh, and 
Bufferling well, Buffalo has Yes, yeah, You should just let it load all the way. I we'll did. come back to it later. It's not loaded all the way. But it won't load. You let it load like 10 seconds. Whatever. I let it sit there for like a good 30 seconds. Okay. Well, anyways, we'll this maybe place, come back to it later. We'll see. The email is broken. Um, a couple, another video that I haven't seen. Apparently, Elon Musk talked about some of his... Adi- oh, jeez. <laughs> what the... <laughs> f- <laughs> so... Google is being terrible with docs right now and just ruining everything. So, so for you, for those of you who don't know who Elon Musk is, perhaps you should tell them. Oh, so Elon Musk is the guy behind uh, the whole stuff. Oh, I thought he made PayPal, but that's um, what I thought. So he, right? He well, it's okay. That was that was a long time ago. So right now he is, is he still like a CEO at PayPal? Uh, I don't think he's a CEO. I, don't think I, th- so. I think he just made it and then he left because it was stupid. Yeah. So um, right now he's CEO of Tesla Motors, mm-hmm. um, which did you guys talk about their new charging I don't deal? believe so. No. Um, just a, just like sort of a brief mention of that. They recently unveiled free charging stations um, oh, using San their solar powered. I think they were putting a bunch of those in San Francisco. They're, they're, yeah, they started out with some in the Southwest and West Coast area and they're going to expand it hopefully across the country. Um, yeah, I read, I free charging it. stations for anyone who yeah. has a Model S. Mm-hmm. And, Which is like no one. Yeah. Um, it's cheaper than the Roadster. Uh, but anyways. It's kind of a big, big deal. If you're interested in that kind of thing, um, go check it out. There's some videos of the cer- of the unveiling ceremony, I guess, that I saw that were pretty cool. Um, but so, anyways, back to this uh, video. I guess Elon, Mr. Musk, um, <clears throat> is I guess talking about terraforming Mars. I don't know. I haven't seen the video. I I think we'll just kind of yeah leave it at that. Pretty much. Um, um, although one of the things that he um, said in the interview was, in order for us to have, or no, uh, you need to live in a dome initially. But over time, you could terraform Mars to look like Earth and eventually walk around outside without anything on. So it's kind of a fixed or upper planet. Yeah, so the, the what caught my eye was the headline, Elon Musk saying, it's a fixer upper of a planet about Mars, which is true. And, you know, that's I mean, compared to, to Earth, it. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Earth is like the nice big McMansion, and then Mars is this like dingy old rundown shack. Um, no offense, Mars. I know you're the god of war and everything. So. Very nice. Um, some other cool media things. Uh, this sort of relates to the XDF, Extreme Deep Field photo we talked about earlier. Uh, the largest uh, three-dimensional map of the sky has been released, uh, which is pretty cool. If you want to see some sweet space things, go check that out. Uh, I don't know. It's got all kinds of space things in it. It's exactly what you would expect from a three-dimensional map of the sky, except it's really big. I was kind of surprised how big it is. Uh, <clears throat> so, oh, I guess we do have one more article as far as non-media things. Somehow it got put in the wrong uh, section. So there is a tech billionaire by the name of... Uh, Milner, m- 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 Milner. What is his first name? Yuri. Yuri Milner. Yuri's a great name. Must be Russian. Uh, he is Russian. Right. So <laughs> he, I don't know why he's a billionaire. He is a Russian entrepreneur. FPP's founder. I don't know what the FPP is. Anyways, so he just recently awarded twenty-seven million dollars in physics prizes, hmm. which is a ridiculous amount if you compare that to like the total grant awards of the u.s government that's like a large chunk so uh not that this is through the u.s he did by his own the fundamental physics oh that's what fpc stands for fundamental physics prizes uh so he awarded nine of them for three million dollars a piece uh to what Uh, um he so he awarded nine three million dollar prizes to promising physics endeavors uh which is a huge deal, and apparently this is sort of a trend now um, of sort of tech entrepreneurs, tech guys, whatever, with a lot of money, contrib- contributing some of that back into uh, scientific progress, which is, which is good. I think that's a great idea. They should do keep doing that. Um, He's done a lot of stuff. He um he he is a venture capitalist, so that's why oh, he has all this money. Okay, yeah, uh, and so. 
$3 million in a grant is a lot, and nine of them is even more, and it's a big deal, and it definitely will have an effect on the progress of science, essentially, globally. Right. Um, so hopefully this is a, a continuing trend. I don't, I don't know if there's much more to say about it, really. Uh, so back to media things. Uh, uh, it was a cool... I don't know. I think we've mentioned there was a an aurora, a video taken from the ISS of some uh, aurora borealis type stuff um, a couple shows back, and so like a year ago. And uh, this is a time lapse video of uh, all kinds of. Well, it's like a compilation video of lots of different time lapses taken from the ISS. So there's some aurora stuff. There's some weather stuff. There's some just cool earth photo stuff like sun sunrise from the ISS type things. Um, it's pretty cool. Definitely something to check out. Very beautiful footage. Are you, are you going to play it? Well, I don't think there's Ooh. any sound. Oh, oh, there is, there is sound. sound. Yeah. It's uh, there's, can, there was a pretty good track. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, you can see the planet lit up with all of our lights. Yeah. I think we have featured one, uh, Aurora video before, like ISS Aurora view of the Aurora. Oh, you can see lightning too. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, the storm ones. I like the storm one. It always looks like the planet's on fire when you see all of our city lights. Oh yeah. So definitely uh, check that out. Uh, give it a give it a watch, I guess. Um, oh, some more curiosity news. I, I forgot this was the last piece of curiosity news. So I, I mean, when we talk about it this when we talk about it this much on the show, you know, it's doing good. I agree. And lots of things are happening. So uh, curiosity sent back this beautiful image of. Uh, so Ryan looks at me. I was going to explain that statement um, of the daytime crescent moon of phobos which oh is... hold on let me zoom in on that oh i see it yeah so the the photo is like sort of this grayish green haze and then very very faintly sort of in the in the middle so is that what daytime looks like on mars like the sky uh evening oh okay yeah i'm not sure if this is a like it's supposed to be a grayscale type image or what i don't oh. know if it's true color okay i assume so i think it is um because that would be interesting i've never seen what the sky looks like on mars yeah, I don't know if anybody has. Yeah, well, Same imagine that. I don't know. Oh, well, uh, Curiosity actually has sent back some photos that show the sky on Mars. Um, but so interesting. It's it's a cool photo. Um, if you've ever seen the moon just before sunset here on Earth, <laughs> um, it's so it's last week it took similar um, to that. eclipses of the sun last week. Uh, well, yeah, was it? Um, some it was what Mercury passing in front of the sun, or one um, of the moons passing in front. Yeah, of the Yeah, it was sun? one of the moons. Oh, it was Phobos. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Phobos is the Roman god of fear, I think, or the Greek god. I'm not even going to look it up. Um, so I don't know why that matters. That doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of the one of the moons of Mars, one of the two moons, along with Deimos. Um, anyways, I, I cool photos, cool videos. Uh, I was never really fond of the Martian uh, moons. Why? Eh, they're just rocks. They do cool things, though. They eclipse the sun, and they look nice. Anybody can do that. Like, that must happen. Like, like our every... moon? Our moon's just a rock. I'm not particularly like, fond of our moon. Like, every three days, every 30 minutes, it must happen on, like, Saturn. Like, Which that has, thing. like, 50 moons. The least. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if we could trade out our moon for, like, Europa, do it in a second. Um... We've talked about that before. I'm not going to explain. Yeah, I, I don't know if we have. I'm pretty sure I've. Yeah, we definitely have. Okay, let's. It was a while ago. Okay, let's go. So, uh, one, I think. Oh, so, um, we forgot to talk about this at the beginning. Of this, well, we'll just save that for the end. Um, <laughs> as far as the uh, big things that are happening after the show, um, before the next show. Actually, I don't even know if this is before the next show. This will be at. Hopefully, this will not be. How about if you just say it's show. in the future? In the future, well, it's in my big events that will happen after the show, but before the next show section. Okay. Um. Anyway, so the Singularity Summit is a sort of meeting sponsored by. Uh, wow. Peter Diamandis and that his crew over at the old. Singularity Hub, I think. Um. So this year, the 
Uh, and so it's just like a, it's kind of like the TED Talks. Uh, we've yeah. mentioned those before, and you can go to TED.com, check those out if you want to get an idea of what this is. I'm not sure how like good they are about posting videos and stuff. Oh, it looks like they, they do a pretty good job. So anyways, Ray Kurzweil is the keynote speaker this year, which is a pretty cool thing. Um, he is a, a very, very... I don't know if eccentric is the right word, but he gets involved with a lot of things, uh, entrepreneurial projects mm-hmm. and, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I read a very interesting article on his sort of predictions of the future of solar energy, um, which I was almost going to put in this show, but I think I want to do a whole fringe episode on it because well, it fits in with some other you stuff. Know, if you want to go to this summit, uh, on singularity, not really at all. Um, if you would like to attend, you can pay the lovely price of $747. I mean, 45. Um, yeah. very expensive to go, but definitely, um, you can see, I'd say it's worth it. Uh, I would, I, you could just listen to it next year. If I could get to California. Well, that's going to be cheaper. Um, but you can also listen to, um, some of these are MP3. They have, um, audio versions. I don't, they don't have video, but they have yeah. audio. You can listen to some of the talks from previous years. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so definitely, uh, keep an eye out for audio or video being posted from this. Yeah. It looks pretty interesting. Definitely. Very, and, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge fan of the TED Talks. And, although, you know, I, I don't know if it's just me or if, like, the general quality has been decreasing lately. It could be a fact that there's been a lot more lately. I and think so it's, I think it's a lot more parts. Yeah. And they used to do just, like, super amazing right. and beautiful talks mm-hmm. and presentations. And now they have a lot more and they do all these TEDx, whatever, or TED Cross. Yeah. And so they're. TEDx is a joke. Yeah. So. General quality, average quality has decreased. There are still some great ones coming out, but um, if you if you want to check out things like this, definitely go look at TED and keep an eye out for this. Mm-hmm. This, which is uh, oh, I didn't even mention the date, October thirteenth to fourteenth in yep. San Francisco. So if you live in California, go check it out and tell me what happens. And if you live in California, why haven't you told me this yet? And I could have you on the show like every day. What does that have to do with anything? Everything happens in California. That's true. Everything happens, especially in, in San Francisco. <laughs> Um, yeah. So if you, if you happen to live in California, you're listening to our show, uh, you know, let us know what happens, not only with this, but also did you see Endeavor or any, any I, cool I things uh, like that? flew over the Golden Gate Bridge recently. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it landed yeah. somewhere too, you know, <laughs> no, like I didn't, th- I didn't think it landed. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah. Was that just, that was, I think that was, that was two weeks ago. Yeah. I thought that was just last week. Was it this, this no, week? No, yeah, right. Two weeks ago. I don't know. I, Cause I think we talked about it. Yeah. Two weeks um, ago. On our last show. So, uh, I think that's about it as far as, uh, the main show. Um, there's a pretty sweet video that I want to close with, which is, uh, some footage of a atomic bomb being set off, a nuclear bomb being set off underwater, releasing just the most ridiculous plume of water, like thousands of tons of water, maybe even millions of tons of water. I mean, and this is like a... 200 kiloton yield bomb. I mean, we mentioned a, at one point on one of our shows, like some Russian Tsar bomb, which yeah. had like a 500 megaton yield Very or something. Large. So just imagine that and then look at this and it's mm-hmm. awesome. So just I'm, looking at this is awesome. Let me, let me just see if I can play some of this. Yeah. There's, there's a, some good audio. On the first two underwater shots that I ever observed close up it was more amazing in some ways than an above ground nuclear shot. The rockets were set up at various angles and fired before the shot so that by the time they reached surface zero area, they were staggered at different elevations. So when the shock wave came up through the water, they could tell how long it was for the shock wave to hit a certain rocket trail, which gave them the propagation rate of the shock wave. I was about two and a half miles from them. The rockets went off, and then suddenly this gigantic column of water shot straight up into the air. And you're watching the waves come closer and closer to the ship. And at two and a half miles, it's hard to judge how far away it was from surface zero. But suddenly the waves just washed over the ship. And uh, you could then see how gigantic the height of that uh, wave was. After the shot, it seemed to be a couple of minutes or so before the first wave came in. Not very high. Yeah. So the video goes on to describe the uh, uh, tidal influx, whatever, from the the shockwave. So very cool video. We, I mean, obviously you just now heard the audio, but go check it out. Um, It's pretty incredible to see that. And the guy on the audio track describes the wave washing over the ship. And this is like a battleship. This is a giant vessel 
and the wave just like comes over the top. It's he, he ginormous. Um, there's also a pretty cool picture that will also be in the show notes of a, a similar test, uh, during Operation Crossroads, um, where they set off a bomb like 10 meters underwater or something, uh, to observe its effect on like other, on naval ships. And there, this photo captures a moment where there's a big black shadow on the right side of the column of water. And people think that it's, uh, one of the ships, so like a battleship standing on end yeah. that was pushed up by the force of this water. Not only does the picture look cool besides that, but that makes it like ten times as awesome. And it's a very detailed picture because you can zoom in pretty far here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's amazing. It's it's it just you know how fine that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a it's a sweet. And you can almost photo. see like some trees in the background really far away. So. Well, this was so. This testing was done on Bikini Atoll, so this is I mean, in the lagoon inside the atoll. I wonder if those are actually trees or if maybe they're ship masts. Those are ship masts. Oh, okay, same thing. But this wasn't a atoll, so it was an interior of an island. Um, yeah, check it out. Cool pictures, cool video. Um, I think that's it. You know, for you, the you, show. you need to have like a neon Pegasus like every week. I I was looking. I didn't find one. That's too bad. I don't know. I had too much real news this week. Well, uh, before we go, we probably should uh, tell you about our survey for... Oh, yeah. We forgot uh, to mention this at the beginning. Yeah, that's what we're going to do that. We can just do it at the end. Why don't we talk about our survey? Why don't you <clears throat> tell us about the survey? Um, well, in six weeks, approximately, the our network, the Nexus Television TV, will have reached its first birthday, I guess. Um, so it'll have been one year since we broadcast the first show, which was at the Nexus. Um, longest running and highest episode count out of all the shows, definitely. Um, so happy birthday, early birthday. I'm sure yeah, we'll bring I'm that sure, up I'm every sure. week in the next six weeks. Yes. And after that too. So we have a survey. Right. right. So we have our first year survey to get some feedback from listeners and stuff like that. Uh, it's on the website. It's got a little red survey. and blue glow behind it yeah. and stuff. Click so. on the survey, take the survey. It's also a link in the show notes. Tell us how we're doing. Mm-hmm. And of course, where can we find you, Sam Eberts, on the internet? Uh, you can find me same places as usual on the Twitter, Sam Eberts, uh, samieberts.com. I just bought the domain. Uh, hopefully I will get that up and running soon. Right now it's under construction. Uh, also, samieberts.wordpress.com, which I've been updating somewhat recently. Um, probably get another post up tomorrow or something. That's good. Uh-huh. And of course, you can find me, Ryan Rampersad, just about anywhere, especially on the Twitter, Ryan Amar. And of course, you can find, um, me on my blog occasionally. Yeah, this you hear strange noises in here, right? Sometimes. I mean, <laughs> there was knocking on the door earlier. There was some weird thing upstairs. I don't know. It's amazing. Uh, Astral Energy number 76. <laughs> yes. And, of course, this is the universe. This is the show where we talk about science news and 40 clocks and what happens when you launch a nuke underwater. Mm-hmm. We talk about all these things, especially things. curiosity. Very fun things. Yes, very fun things. Yeah. Tune in next week. Yeah. Okay. Next week. Isn't that a weird thing to say? You've never you you could never say that in the old days. In the very beginning, you could. Yeah, you're right. For two weeks. We had like five in a row, I think. Four in a row. I would beg to differ. I'm pretty sure we can go check. I'll check later. In the meantime, have a good one.